Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at thedistrict.church. All right. Uh, we'll never at this point, if you are between 3 and 5 years old or between 6 and 7 years old, you can go ahead and have your class. So, yeah. Um, so, I felt called out this morning. Yeah, this is uh, getting up here some of is definitely out of my comfort zone. So, bear with me with that. I said that earlier, I don't think it's going to go away. I don't like public speaking in general. Uh, let alone with, with such, such a weighty thing as bringing scripture to you. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but good morning. morning. Uh, today, today we're going to be in Jonah 3. So you guys can turn there if you would like. like. Um, <coughs> just to just give a, a quick, quick recap of the events of Jonah leading up to this point, since they're fresh in my mind, I've missed a couple of weeks or whatever. It's all there. We see Jonah get called by God to go to Nineveh to proclaim their common destruction because of their sin. Uh, then, then Jonah, Jonah turns, turns and runs in the opposite direction, direction uh, trying to see the presence of the Lord. God, God shows he's sovereign over everything, not, not just Israel, but the storm, storm that causes shit to be in all that turmoil. Jonah is swallowed by a fish. fish. Jonah, Jonah prays in that fish, and then the fish spits him back out. And that's where we're going to pick up today. So Jonah 3, we're going to do the whole chapter today. It says, the, the word of the Lord came, came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call it against it, the message I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, and from the greatest of them to the least. The word, the word reached, reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, throne and removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation published through Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles. Let not every man or beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered in sackcloth, and let them call out my day to God. Let them return from his evil way and from the violence of his enemies. Who knows, God, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God, when God saw what they did, how they turned turn from their evil way, God, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Let's pray. Uh, God, God, you're good. Um, you're you're right to save um, compassion to do so. I'm just, just thanking you for the message that you gave us from Jonah. I'm just pray that you open up our hearts too. Receive that today. Just that we may be able to see your truths, learn about you, and learn how that should inspire us to respond. We just thank you for the gift of Scripture. Just that we have access to know you, to know what it is you want for us, but also to know how much you care. And that we would send a prophet to people outside of your covenant to minister to them, but more so that you yourself could come. Uh, 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 uh,
but there will not be a drink water, but man and beast are covered with sackcloth. And let them call out my mighty to God. But everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may determine the blood, determine the fierce interest that we may not perish. While it's incredible that even this pagan king was moved to sit in ashes in that house, I think it's more significant what he says in verse 8. But everyone turn from his evil way, from my violence that is in his hands. Was, was just trying to appease God, God through the fasting, but he actually was calling his people to repent. He himself, himself calls himself to repent. Um, to, to actually turn from what they are is pursue something better. Um, we, don't we don't know exactly what, what evils in the world was guilty of. At least I don't. I didn't find that out. I don't know if someone else does that. It's smarter than me. But there's their sin point of their sin was great enough to, to, to move the Lord to, to uh, immediate destruction, to offend him so much that he wanted to wipe them out right then and there. But at the same time, uh, God was passionate enough to send a prophet from Israel inside of his covenant to a pagan nation to offer themselves salvation. This story is an excellent display of some of God's actions. Specifically, his sovereignty and his compassion. God is compassionate to save. He saves based on no action on our own. He saves them based on no action on their own. He is sovereign over the nations. God, God knew beforehand if he sent Jonah to Nineveh, the city would repent. Because he was already working in our hearts so they would be able to hear the message and respond to it. Uh, this is the polar opposite of the destruction God had Moses prepared. Fairly. Uh, what's the story most of them probably familiar with like 10 plagues and Moses comes and he preaches the plague. Pharaoh says no. God hardens his heart. The plague happens. Still says no. Over and over and over for 10 plagues. Um, so, so what we'll look specifically at Exodus 11 and 10, just if you have a first reference on it. Um, it says, Moses and Aaron did all of these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people go out of this land. God hardened Pharaoh's heart before Moses even spoke with him, and he knew that Pharaoh would not listen. So we've got two similar situations here. Jonah and Moses are both proclaiming destruction to a pagan nation. If, if, if that nation had not responded, we would have gotten requested. In this, in this case, case, Pharaoh had already seen nine plagues and was about to lose his firstborn son, the Tetan plague. But I want to focus on the middle part, part of that verse where it says, And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. God is proclaiming his message to Pharaoh through Moses. That's the same thing as heart hardening his heart. So that he won't respond. Jonah is not explicit to him, but we. We see, we see the opposite. opposite. Through Jonah, Jonah God, God barely provides any message. Jonah says once, a third of the way into the city, and that's it. it. So there's barely, barely any message there. But, but there's, there's an overwhelming response from the people in the whole, whole city that can only work through God. God's God work through creation in our hearts. And then if we read uh, the end of Jonah 3.10, it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of his disaster. He had said he would do to them, and did not. God is good, good by even the most sinful people. Uh, no, no sin or degree of guiltiness is too great for God to overcome. Um, if you're if a you're bully, bully person, part of this is for you. you. I'm trying to get a better word on that aspect of, of making it easier. Um, um, so I'm going to so have two questions. questions. Each, of Each of those questions, questions are going to have three things, things from it. From it. Um, but, but two questions I'd like to answer today with this text what can we learn about God's passage? And how should we respond? So, so, first thing we can learn about God is that he 
not expect that righteousness. He expects all of his creation to be holy as he is holy. Even those who do not call his name, those who are not called by men, everyone is expected to be righteous. Pretty high expectation. Second, God is mighty and passionate, as I say. Even though the middle was wicked and violent outside of how God made for him, he still chose to save the message. He was also sovereign over our hearts and able to soften to judge our message with the same sovereignty that he hardened to our hearts to judge Third, God can use anyone to accomplish his purpose. Jonah was incredibly reluctant, rebellious, and apathetic in his response to God's call. And God still saved the city. And this wasn't a small town. It wasn't like you used Jonah to save the village. He saved a huge city. And Jonah was not the ideal stretch. He didn't care about what people were speaking to. He didn't preach with conviction. He tried to get out of everything together. But God still used him to save We are called to go and make disciples. And this, this is often, often confused with, with uh, evangelism. And there is there some overlap with evangelism type of shit. And you kind of get into that like, class if you're going through that, or if you'd like to go through that, highly recommend it. it. Um, but basically, discipleship is coaching, teaching, mentoring, and demonstrating on what it means to be willing to And evangelism is proclaiming that we are all sinners in need of Jesus' atonement work on the cross for our salvation. And both, both of those calls for us can do it today, but don't use a number of excuses to convince us to shirk away from this responsibility. Um, say it's, it's hard, hard. I, don't I don't know all the answers, think of me, what if I say something wrong? wrong. So, 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 and I'm not the one thing to say, just kind of get into your own answer. Any of those things. We can come up with pretty much any excuse we want to about how we feel about the people we're working with, how we're supposed to be listening to. In our, in our own abilities. abilities. Um, like like me hating public speaking and being here and not not. <laughs> Lots, <laughs> Lots of things. So far, so far I think it's a little Kelsey. I am angry for you, 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 for so, so, but, but uh, uh, it's not an excuse because God is not sorry to you, even in my anxiety, to speak to you guys. So, yeah. So, this leads into how should we respond to the first person? Second question is what should this be? We should answer God's call for us to serve. And I left that kind of intentionally. God calls everyone, every believer, to some things. Holiness, fasting, prayer. Like one another, other side 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 of and just, just to get a couple, couple of them, there was a lot, lot of like things as well. Uh, but then but there, there are other things called specific, specific individuals, individuals to this experience in this So how do we figure those out? Matt Chen had a really great quote that, that I could not find, find, so paraphrasing to get it because I think it was on his Instagram story. But basically, he says he can't discern what the God has for life apart from reading the word and prayer so as a body, that's this room, whether it's small groups or small groups, coming together and praying, trying to discern what God has for us. We have to be God to be able to have those experiences. We talked about back to James James here. 
Uh, Romans, Romans 12, 1 through 2, 2 says, says that your body, your body is as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. This proposes a sort of cycle of renewing our minds. We are to avoid conforming to what the world wants us to be, and they may talking about, talking about someone, someone in uh, seminary seminar class this week that, that the Greek, Greek for conform specifically is external, external pressure, pressure pushing on you. So the so pressure of the world, world pushing, pushing shaping you something. And then the word you use for transform is an inward change from the outside to the out. So the difference is being external worldly pressure forcing you into shape. But we should be letting the spirit bring us from inside out. So the cycle of the avoid the pressures of the world. Which leads, which leads to the transformation, transformation of our minds, the spirit of prayer. Um, that that renewal enables us to discern what is the will of God, God which, gives which gives us wisdom, wisdom to know what is the good, good we ought to do, do which helps us to not be conformed to the pattern of the world, which helps us to be the spirit, which helps us to know the will of God, and so on. There's that continuous cycle of sanctification through prayer. And this is sometimes also a long time to be in human life. Secondly, Secondly, we should, we should fast, fast for pursuing holiness. Throughout, throughout scripture, God's, God's people, people have fasted to help them pursue holiness, to pursue being more like God. God. This goes with the previous point, point that we can fast to help us grow our knowledge more to pursue as well. Um, and if we look throughout all of scripture, we see that fasting is mentioned over 70 times by the Bible, both Old and New Testament. And when Jesus mentions fasting, he implies that you are already doing that, that you are already part of your Matthew 26, he says, when you fast, do not look to me like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting and they see sacrifices. Truly, I say to you, they have just received their reward. But when you fast, when your head wash your face, your fasting and you see sacrifices, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. The point I'm making here is that if fasting is mentioned so often by Jesus, why did he do it? Or as, or as an individual. Why is, why is it so hard, hard for us to fast? And do we do even try? try? And when, when should we fast? How does that look like? Um, I think it's fitting in that this, this passage sits what it does, does in calendar because, because right, right now, now is the traditional, traditional density season, uh, which is celebrated a lot of other churches and denominations. And in case you're unfamiliar, Lent is supposed to be a season of fasting that is set to remind us of Jesus. 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, where he was tempted perfectly and resisted that temptation compared to our 40 years in the wilderness with the brown bravo but if you read the Old Testament, we usually are the heroes in the story, we usually should shoot ourselves into what Israel is doing, and if you look at Exodus, Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, grumbling, complaining, and resisting God, and that's where we tend to. So that, so that comparison, comparison to the 40 days of Lent is supposed to be a reminder of those things. Um, we are in no way saying that you have to do Lent or give something up for last Wednesday of Easter. Easter. Um, in this particular time, it doesn't necessarily have a biblical mandate that it's based on, but I think there is value in preparing our heart for celebrating Easter. Fasting is a way of cultivating comfort for God. 
three of us here, and if you guys have worked with the district of Hawaii, you fail. And our annual curriculum cannot offer the salvation. Just can't do it. Not our ability, not supposed to. But Jesus is perfect. He perfectly accomplishes all of those things. And in our mourning of our sin, we can still rejoice because God is mighty and compassionate to save us, even though we are utterly sinful. This time, time we're, we're going, going to remember, remember that sacrifice, sacrifice the communion. Um, so, so don't know how long that was, that was a quick one. <laughs> um, but but uh, uh, if, if you, you don't, don't have, have the opportunity, this is a time for believers to recommend to remember the gospel, to remember that we're about to have access to God and to be counted as righteous. Jesus' body had to be if you're not a believer and want to talk about any of this, Josh can bring myself a lot of talk with you. Matthew 26, 26 to 28. Now, as they were eating, Jesus was to bread, and after the blessing, broke his hand and gave it to the disciples. He said, Take it in, this is my body. He took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples. Drink it with all of you, for this is my beloved covenant. Just for that for me, the very So there's just take some communion, um, take it in and pray. Remember, Remember your sovereignty and your passion. 